0: I can understand the songwriter saying that self-righteousness and pride is going to be gone. Well, it's like putting it in the back seat of your car and driving it out into the country past the cemetery and dumping it off. And then you rush home, and when you walk into the kitchen, there it is sitting at the table waiting for you again. That's the kind of natures that we have And we're going to carry those rascals with us until we lay it down at the graveside. And in the meantime, we'll be calling upon the Lord for mercy, for grace, for His long-suffering to continue with us. He gives us breath. He gives us life. He gives us hope. And uh, our only hope is in Christ. I think it was last week when we talked about Christ being all and in all, and we can't talk too much about him i know we're getting close to this christmas season and people are going to be shopping and they're going to be getting ready for parties and there uh <laughs> we see the local store where we buy our groceries they have a huge several acres of lots up next to the building and it's all staked out for christmas trees they must get them by the hundreds, maybe thousands. I don't know, but uh, people are getting ready. But nobody's talking about Christ now. He is the main object and subject of uh, of all life. Period. And why people give him such a little consideration, and everything else is kind of weird, uh, except except these. Normal, natural people that we're talking about have never known Holy Spirit conviction. Because when God begins to convict an individual about their sin, about their lack of righteousness, about the righteousness of Christ, and about judgment. Now, people don't want to hear about judgment, but whether they believe it or not, there is a hell, and there's going to be a judgment And the Bible tells us in John 5 that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the judge. Not the Father, but the Son is to be the judge. So those are just a few things about this time of the year and about people. But we always must put first in mind the Lord Jesus Christ. He is what counts. So we're going to talk about Christ today being our life. Last week we said he was all in all. Well, we're going to talk about life today. So turn to uh, Colossians 3 and verse 4. Colossians 3 and verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So the very appearing of Christ in this earth, well, you know what has to happen before that, huh? Because he has to come and get us. There's no coming back with him unless he comes and gets us first and we're with him. It seems like that's one of the little missing elements in modern-day religion. They haven't got it straight. They don't know that the first thing that has to happen is the day of resurrection. And uh, how many people are going to be involved in that? We have no idea. could be millions. I don't know. I haven't got a clue. I know there's one little scripture that kind of intimates that maybe... The Lord's going to save as many as there are stars. You say, where is that? Well, let's take a peek. I think it's Psalm 146. Let me see, just a minute. We're uh, Psalm 147. Psalm 147 on page 970. And uh, why I say that, we're going to read verses 3 and 4. They seem to be Total opposites as far as thought goes. Verse 3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. That's a thought all of itself. And then look what he follows it with. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Now all of those who are broken in heart and those that he's going to bind up, they have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and he certainly knows how many there are. So if he knows how many there are stars, and he calls them by names, he knows all that the Lord Jesus Christ died for. Now that's only an intimation. I have no idea if that's what it's there for or not. But uh, I love to go there because our Lord has the capability... Of saving just as many as there are stars and that looks like it's going to be millions all right our scripture was Colossians 3 4 let me get back put a little marker there or your ribbon Colossians 3 & 4 we see the world and the things of the world are the great enemies to the work of grace we are born citizens of the world and grow up in it from infancy but much of the world rubs off on us and it hinders the first planting of grace in the soul and when it is planted the world and the things of the world hinder the growth and progress of the soul wow let's look at uh, Matthew 13:22 Matthew 13:22 Must be on page fourteen twenty six. It says, "He that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful." So that's what we're talking about. The uh, the world and uh, the consequences of even being in a world that has an effect upon God's work on the soul now Paul knew this and so does every faithful minister and they strive to teach their people to rise above the world and study about heavenly things so where does it tell you to study heavenly things well you're right there in Colossians chapter 3 page 1738 and we read verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Uh, now that's verses 1, 2, and 3, but... It's kind of strange talk to the world. No wonder they don't want anything to do with the Bible. If you be risen with Christ, and then verse 3 says you're dead. Wow. How can you do both? You see, by faith we are partakers of Christ's death. What we believe by grace lifts us to a higher kind of life than that which other men live here on earth. Christ dying for us makes us dead to the world because we have new eyes to see, new ears to hear, and new desires to capture our affections. But what makes the change? It's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Colossians 1, back up one page, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the richest, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, what's the mean, Christ in you? Well, to every believer, before they ever become a believer, God has to regenerate. God has to quicken that soul, give it spiritual eyes, spiritual understanding. None of this takes place by itself. If God isn't in it, it won't happen. So if anybody has any spiritual interest or uh, gives eternity and the things of eternity a serious thought, it's because God has given that to you, uh, a wonderful gift of grace. So this transmutes into our text. What's our text? Christ is our life. Now the believer enjoys life as a human being first of all just like any other person and uh, Paul tells us that in acts uh, 1728 just a interesting scripture that well maybe you've read it and it didn't dawn on you it's on page 1632 he says for in him we live and move and have our being As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now philosophers and people um, down through the ages and over the very centuries have said we're all children of God. Well, we are by creation. But not everybody is a child of God by adoption. And those are special ones that God has to quicken or has to regenerate give him an interest in eternity, and then he works him to the point where he draws him to Christ. Uh, Let me see where I am here. So, uh, the natural man does not thank the Lord Jesus for his existence and the continuance of his existence. You don't have to be old or in bad health for God to stop your breathing. Your life is in his hands. We count our age by years God knows our life by seconds so many seconds allotted to each person some more some less and then your particular stage show is over what do we mean stage show well let's look at psalm 90 verses 9 and 10 psalm 90 verses 9 and 10 Be on page 931, verses 9 and 10. For all of our days are passed away in thy wrath, we spend our years as a tale that is told. And I usually say it's kind of like a stage show. There are three, three scenes, three curtain drops, and when the last curtain goes down, then the, the game is over, the, the tale is over verse 10 the days of our years are three score years and 10 that's 70 and if by reason of strength they be four score years that's 80 yet is their strength labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away well I know we can't experiment ahead of time but you, you got in your mind possibly when you're 60 years old that when you're 80, you'll be able to do just as much as you do when you're 60. But he says here, when you're four score years or 80 years old, hey, your strength and labor is all in just trying to get around. You make 80 years old, you begin to weaken. You slow down. You're not as steady. You can't balance as well. You can't think as well. You forget a lot of things. Well, that's what happens if you are fortunate to make 80. Now, it doesn't say anything here about 90, so we're not going to even try to look into that. So the difference between God's thinking and our thinking is like we count heads, God counts hairs. (laughs) The very hairs on your head. Look at Matthew 10, verse 30. Matthew 10, 30. It's on page 1420 but the very hairs of your head are all numbered and then the number changes every day because people your hair falls out and then there's people that have hair that grows in. Um, and if God knows those unimportant things he certainly knows the names. Of everyone that Christ died for. See, they're precious to him. Those this is reality to God. We count years, God knows our seconds. And isn't it a shame that we waste so many of them? But our text is talking about believers, Christ is the believer's life. The believer has a life of grace which he lives after he's regenerated by virtue of the Spirit of God by faith. And he has the promise of a life of glory which he shall live with Christ to all eternity after this life. Now there's nowhere else anywhere that you have a promise given by one who cannot lie of anything so wonderful. What's so wonderful about it is because anybody else that doesn't have this promise and doesn't know about it is certainly going to go to hell all people are headed for hell by nature when God interferes into this person's life into their nature there's a battle there's a big to do over it but then this person knows he's not going to suffer for his sins God is very just I know people say God is love and he wouldn't do this he wouldn't do that God is just absolutely just And uh, he he doesn't go back on his word. There's no changing the law. And when it says the soul that sinneth, it shall die, it will. The second death, not just talking about the body, but the, the being cast into the lake of fire to suffer forever and ever is called the second death. And though it's so far out of mind and so far beyond our reasoning, just believe it. It's in God's word, and God doesn't—well, uh, none. He doesn't say things just to fill up the page. With this life of glory, the soul begins immediately upon its departure out of the body, and the body joins it when day of resurrection. That's the reunion of soul and body—the day of resurrection. Jesus Christ is a believer's life, and no matter where, here or hereafter in glory. Now, here's what Christ is to a believer's life. First of all, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the creator of our lives. He's the creator of our soul. Look at Colossians 1. Here We're there now in Colossians 3. Back up one page. Colossians 1, verse 15 and 16. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, meaning He's a Creator, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created by Him and for Him. Now that's quite a statement. This is looking into who the Lord Jesus Christ is and the power that He has. He owns everything created. He not only created them, but the Godhead said they're created for Him. And He's before all things, and by Him all things consist. No accidents in space. No great stars crashing into each other. Why? Because he holds them all in their own little uh, environment. He controls everything. And you know, mysteriously, over in Second Peter, Peter's telling us that there will come a day when there's going to be a lot of stuff happening out in space. Great noises and things being uh, dissipated. Uh, that's going to happen. If Peter writes it in his book, then you better look for it. But right now, uh, nothing happens out in space. And then, in verse 18 it starts out and he says he's the head of the body of the church. Well, Christ is also as God. All souls belong to him. Where is that? That's Ezekiel 18 and verse four. Ezekiel 18:4 on page 12:40. Verse four, "Behold, all souls are mine. as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the son is mine, and the soul that sinneth it shall die. Which soul do you know? Do you know anybody? Do you know any soul anywhere that does not sin? No, you don't. There's no such thing as that. Even newborn babies have a nature, born with a nature, that's going to sin. And uh, this is a little category I leave under the title of God's business. He's going to handle infants. Uh, I'm not making any statements anywhere. If there are elect infants, if there are non-elect, I, I don't know. Some of the Puritans thought that every baby that dies was was, was died saved, that God was going to save him. But I don't know that. Uh, that would be wonderful if it was. Well, what else is Christ to the believer? God reasons with the simple-minded about His ownership. Look at uh, Romans nine, verse twenty-one. Romans nine twenty one. Then page sixteen sixty seven. This is God's ownership with every sinner, and here's how it's worded in the Bible: Hath not the potter power over the clay? Of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another into unto dishonor. So all of humanity is called a lump of clay. God makes some to give eternal life to, and others He just passes by, puts it back on the pile, remakes it. Maybe somewhere down the line there will be another uh, vessel made unto honor. We don't know those things. I was reading in the... uh, First four chapters of Second Chronicles. Um, about families. What's uh, see Was it Chronicles or? Yeah, I think it is Chronicle. Anyhow, the generations of people and the Bible keeps such wonderful uh, histories and, and facts about families sons of this one sometimes they mention the mother of the particular son and the son goes on and he has a dozen sons and then the next one has six and uh, I was trying to count the sons of David that uh, David had so many sons and I try to keep track of now who are the mothers and the very first six sons that David had were all by different women. Uh, these things are difficult to understand, especially when uh, God says a man's not to leave his... and uh, they should have one wife, and uh, this is difficult. But that was just David's beginning. Then when he goes to Jerusalem, he's got a half a page full of more sons. Uh, and different mothers. Uh, this is, it just makes you scratch your head, but see, this is all under God's business. And God's going to, uh, well, David for his great sin paid for it in rebellion and discomfort and terrible goings on in his own family. He was not happy. The only thing that made him happy was his God. And when he writes in the Psalms that we will praise him and bless him forever and ever, that's uh, that's the difference in, in, in believers. So we're all part of the lump of clay. And if God has interfered into your life and give you an interest in eternity, that shows that he has made you a vessel of honor. And we know within ourselves that, hey, that's such a far-flung idea. Me, a vessel of honor. Me, the sinner of sinners. Me, so depraved and mindset so awful. Yet God saves sinners. Those who know they're sinners and who come to him asking for mercy. Well what sets a believer apart from the rest of mind, mankind is Christ giving spiritual life to the soul. Where is that? Well look at John five and verse twenty-one. John five twenty-one. It's on page fifteen sixty-three. Verse twenty-one, for as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them. Even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. One more scripture now, Ephesians 2.1. Ephesians 2.1. And you hath he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins. That's such a wonderful, wonderful uh, group to be in, knowing that you were dead in trespasses and sins, and then knowing that something happened. Something in your life that gave you spiritual interest, made you look upon things differently, get, put the important things first. What's important? Your soul. Your soul is the most important part of you. We take care of the body. We run it to the, to the gym to make it fit. Now we run it to the doctor for him to fix it. We run to the druggist to give us something to keep it going. Uh, body, body, body. Hey, how about the soul? We should feed our soul every single day with the bread of God. Here it is, the Bible. This is God's Word, and this is what gives you spiritual health. Um, I know physical health can draw you back and draw you, knock you down. Um, another thing, though, about the Gospel is we know we're not going to keep these bodies forever. they got to go. They've got to die. They've got to be changed. But the next change is so wonderful. A body that will live forever and a body that will never sin. How often we find that very thought written in uh, Brother Hale's songs. Brother Hale sings that often about a body that's going to be raised, going to be with Christ, be at his feet, won't sin anymore. Uh, A believer just can't go wrong. Once the believer has union with Christ, he comes to live the life of grace. Christ is the foundation. He's the principle on which they live. The Bible says that Christ is the head of the body. We'll look at Romans 12, verse 5. Romans 12, and verse 5. It's on page 1671. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Well now look at Colossians one and verse eighteen. That was talking about the body. Now Colossians one eighteen on page seventeen thirty seven. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things you might have the preeminence. All right? Now, the body here represents the church, the bride, uh, the elect of God. No human body can live without its head, and neither can God's children live without Christ. He is our life. This is what we're talking about today. Our life. As the foundation, Christ holds the weight of the church. He sustains or keeps on supplying life to his redeemed ones. How do we know that? Well, look at Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 page 1780 let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have for he have said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me look at Philippians 4 and verse 9 Philippians 4 and verse 9 Page seventeen thirty four. Those things which ye have both learned and received, and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So that's just instructions on how the Lord takes care of His people. And then Christ is the example for those He gives life to. First uh, Peter two verse twenty one. First Peter two twenty-one. It's on page seventeen ninety. For even hereunto were ye called, verse twenty-one, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Wow, okay. That's kind of hard to do. John ten twenty seven. We're talking about Christ taking care of his people. John ten twenty seven. On page fifteen seventy-six, verse twenty seven, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What's the important part there? He knows his sheep. A lot of times the sheep wonder if they know their shepherd. But when it says the Lord Jesus Christ knows his sheep, that is so very, very important. Now, if Christ is a life of believers, then it stands to reason that all that those are without Christ are spiritually dead. They're dead in sins. They are dead under God. They are dead under grace. And they are truly without spiritual life, as the body is without natural life when the soul departs. A person dying is the soul leaving the body. We don't really think of it that way, but that's exactly what happens. The soul departs. A person who has no interest in Jesus Christ has no interest in life itself. Look at John 5.40. John 5.40. That's not a very good scripture, but it's a truthful one. It says, and you will not come to me that you might have life. Imagine the God of glory, the one with all power over all flesh, knowing that people will not come to him regardless of what they're offered. If they're offered eternal life, nah, I'm not interested. Don't believe it. Offered to have your sins forgiven. What sin? I'm not as bad as somebody else. Uh, I just... I just marvel. And I have to say it's because it's God that makes the difference, even in my thinking. My thinking shouldn't be any different than anybody else's, but with God giving me spiritual understanding, spiritual hope, a faith to believe the Lord Jesus Christ, it kind of makes me different. Different in thinking, but certainly. Not different in nature, have same old nature down there to fight the new one he gives me. And that's not making up a story about the fight. Look at the fourth chapter of Galatians. Fourth I think it's the fourth chapter of Galatians. The fifth fifth chapter of Galatians. Galatians five In verse uh, 16, on page 1720. Page 1720, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things ye would But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law, meaning the punishment of the law. You're still under the law. We still have to do the best we can, as far as the law is concerned. But the punishment, you're no longer subject to it. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Here comes your sexual sins first, which are most gratifying, most pleasant, most interesting, the biggest thing going on in this country and in the world. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Then we got the religious part. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Then you got the people just down the street and around the corner envyings murders drunkenness revellings and such like of the which I tell you before as I have told have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God all right first John 512 first John 512 on page 1803 he that hath the Son hath life and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life now if that was the only verse in the Bible if that's all we had one page one verse in the middle of the page it's enough coming from God to put anybody under justice that did not believe on the Son. Simple, simple verse. He that hath the Son, who is that, the Lord Jesus Christ, he does have life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Simple statement, very easy. Till Christ be formed in a soul that is a dead thing without either life or motion, and this is a very miserable condition for a dead soul is far worse than a dead body. The reason being, the soul is more excellent than the body. Now, dead souls are loathsome. You know, the dead bodies are loathsome also. How do we know that? Well, look at John eleven thirty nine. John eleven thirty nine. What could have happened there? Uh, page fifteen seventy-eight, verse thirty-nine. This is where our Lord was walking over to the grave of Lazarus, and Jesus said, uh, "Take away the stone, the one that's covering up the grave, or the it's more like a cave." And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, "Lord, by this time he stinketh." He's been dead four days. So that's how quickly the body deteriorates. Uh, Of course, today we have our modern uh, uh, people that fix the body, put chemicals in them, and preserve them for a while. Well, the Egyptians used to be able to do that, and they'd last for hundreds of years. I don't think we've found the formula for that yet, but uh, whenever you go to a funeral parlor, the person in there is all fixed up as nice as they possibly could, and uh, they can last a week or so. But the soul has senses as well as the body, but the dead soul cannot use any of these. It cannot hear, cannot see, cannot taste, cannot smell, cannot feel. They cannot hear Christ's voice in the gospel. They cannot see the glory of Christ. They can't see the glory of grace. They cannot feel the heavy weight of sin. They have no pleasure in those things that are most pleasant in themselves. They don't even know what a spiritual joy is. And spiritual death or deadness is a forerunner of eternal death what's eternal death well that's going to be when you're going to read about it in Revelation 20 when it talks about after the Lord has been here for a thousand years ruling and reigning from Jerusalem that there will be a large wholesale rebellion against Christ and uh, then we're going to have the final judgment it's going to be interesting to watch because we're going to be there we can read about it now and you can't visualize too much because our thinking is limited by our flesh and blood so absolutely limited to spiritual things that it's a wonder that we remember as much as we do because your life is hid with christ you should you shall never finally die we talking about second death john 14 verse 19 John 14, 19. And page 1584, verse 19. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. A living Christian may grow very weak, but he'll never die. Our Lord has promised not to lose a one. Really? That's John 6 and verse 39. John six thirty-nine, Page 1566. This is the Father's will which has sent me that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up again the last day. Our Lord promises the Father he's not going to lose a one, and that's good enough for me. If there would be one to leave out, it certainly should be me. Uh, Paul says he's the chief of sinners. I think every redeemed sinner feels the same way, knowing what a, a marvelous thing it is to know that Christ died for you, for you the individual, you the sinner. Uh, we have a tendency to forget that, to get away from it. But if, if you and I or anybody was just the only person to be redeemed, Christ would still have to pay with his life and blood because that's the price God demands for the payment of sin. Pure, sinless, spotless blood. Nobody has it but Christ. And then the life to go with it. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. And because He is God, He can use that payment for every one the Father gave Him. And of course, we don't know who they all are. But if the Lord has given you an interest in your soul, an interest in eternity, make you to think differently than a normal run of people, and the Lord Jesus Christ has paid your sin debt too. And then... Boy, the lanyard that goes with it, all the extras, the forgiveness of sins, the um, adoption into God's family, the promise of a new body, uh, our Lord saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, We go to be with him. All, All these things are just almost unbelievable. But another gift God gives us is faith to believe everything He not only promises, but we know it's going to happen. Christ is our life.